What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Next Fix Podcast. We're here for episode three. Today, we will be talking about childhood trauma, uh, what therapy looks like, and what how therapy works. I guess that's the best way. You know, like uh, I think it's important. Um, and I've said that when we begin to deal with the traumas, and sometimes we're not even aware of what trauma looks like, and that we went through something traumatic and um it takes you know certain certain points in life um you know growth and backslides and those types of things to get us to realize that we have trauma and um that we need to deal with it and so yeah today is episode three and we're talking about childhood trauma therapy and all of that good stuff and i have a very special guest with me and i say that every week every week uh, i have a very special person to me um specifically in this first season um Petrus is somebody that I actually met um, when I started working at Progress, and him and his partner um, just kept coming, you know, and they are very stylish people, um, and I was always just in very awe about, and they're a couple that does not, they're not that couple that comes out in, like, the matching outfits and, like, the exact same thing, oh, exact no. same oh, pair no. of shoes <laughs> or anything like that. But they both can dress. Um, they are both um, very attractive. And they were always so sweet, no matter if they had to get in line. At this time, we weren't friends, so they would get in line. Um, they didn't expect anything. And um, we just kind of built a friendship through that. And then they became uh, – they always would come to me when I was bartending and – um, we just built a friendship and it has actually grown probably in the last year. Yeah. We've actually been out of town together. I know. Um, we communicate on a regular basis and I actually, they're two people that I can tell anything to, um, and get real feedback. You know, like, I think we all have friends that we tell everything to, yeah. um, and some of our friends are just the yes the yes people of the friend group and then some of the other people are like well but what was your role so i would like to welcome patris to next fix podcast i'm so glad to have so glad to have you i'm glad to be here this is amazing so you know um kind of like when i guess you know like we had i don't want to say um how do i want to say the beginning stages of a friendship, right? Yeah. And um, to where it was very only at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one time we went to dinner together because you um, and Chris kept saying, you know, like, we got to hang out outside of here. We only see you, like, when you're working. And so we went to oh, Lips. Yes. That was the first thing that we did. Hell of a night. And then um, you guys watched me work a very, so the summer before last was very hellacious as far as just being on Halstead and being the manager of, you know, um, a nightclub that sits on the corner of the heart of, in the heart of Boys Town, right? And then it was like, okay. And, you know, we made it through like the holidays and everything. We started to get into the uh, beginning of the summer and you two were like, okay, we got to go out of town. Yes. And it was a very like, at first it was like, you know, we should do this kind of vibe. Right. Right. Turned and, into a booking. and then it turned into <laughs> no, no girl, we're finna do this. Right. Like we're finna go out of town. So then we all realized that we have hellacious schedules, Yes, you know, um, both of you were, you know, full-time big boy jobs. I were, I was, you know, only at progress at that, in that moment, but, you know, being a bar manager, the times that you want to travel are peak times for that industry. So, um, it just kind of, we just had to like take the plunge and we're like, okay, we're going to do this. And it came down to, okay, where can we go for a weekend trip? Yeah. And we did go to Detroit. We had a good time in the instance of that. We got to actually spend quality time together. Yeah. It was a nice time. It was, you know, you think it's really not about where you go, so you go with, you know, you know, people go to Cancun and have a, a, a horrible time just because the people that they're with, you know, so that was definitely, it was definitely that, nah, we going some fucking where, although we had to book it like five weeks out because that's just how schedules matched, but 
we did it, and it was it was a great time. I look forward to the next trip now that you have a little extra time. Now that I, yes, you know, that we can go ahead. And for those that flights. don't, yes, <laughs> and for those that don't know, I um, am still currently a manager, but I, for the last four years, I've uh, been the security manager for Progress Bar here in Chicago, which is an LGBTQI. Um, bar but it's a high volume and it's the poc bar you know yeah. uh, my approach for that has always been to prioritize black and brown people we uh seven days a week consistently play um a certain kind of music we cater to a certain crowd because it's really the only thing it's the only place that does that on halstead it's so disappointing it is disappointing. um and that's a whole episode in itself right. but it, and that episode is definitely coming but while we were on this trip you know you and i um we had some downtime and we're just at our Airbnb yeah. and it was kind of a, a bonding moment for you and I, I believe, yeah. um, because I was able to share my story. Um, not, you know, outside of like, obviously you knew I was sober at that point. Um, and you knew that I so clearly if I was sober, that there was some issue there, yeah. but for me to kind of share some of the childhood trauma and, then here I am, I see this person who is successful, um, who, remains calm, you know, 99% of the time and seems to always have a therapeutic response to things, right? You know, like, especially when I would come or like I'd be stressed out or something extravagant would happen, um, whether it be at work or in life. And then I, you know, when I would get to see you guys, mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because I'd always catch you outside. So it's, I felt like we spent the first you know, hour of your time being at progress and it'd be outside <laughs> therapy session because I would be, and then we'd be talking about, I mean, you guys would also talk, you know, but yeah. it was, um, it was a free time. We would just chat about shit. You know, it didn't really matter. Whatever and, that moment was, we talked about it, you know? And then you got to share some of your story with me. And so yes. here I am thinking that you are this, you know, so like, and you are, but I'm saying like, here it's like, he's, you know, a successful black man that works in a um, very um, professional and lucrative industry. And, you know, Chris doing the exact, not the exact same industry, but being a successful black male yeah, in yeah. Uh, corporate America and also being both of you being an artist and you, you know, and so it's like, and that goes back to say, everybody believes that, you know, like you see somebody or yeah. you see people and you're like, oh, they have, you know, and then we got there and you shared childhood. And I mean, I think it, I think it took me the rest of the trip to truly process wow. <laughs> like that, like some of the stuff that you yeah. shared. And so that led me to when I was formatting the episodes for this season to say, I need you to tell your story because I feel like there are so many people that um, not only ha have shared experiences, mm -hmm. but many people that look like you, right? That come that potentially come from the, that same type of background yeah. that haven't had their breakthrough moments or truly have an understanding that there is a way to not only acknowledge it, but process it work through it mm -hmm. and then overcome it. That's true. I mean, yeah, I, I thank you. Uh, you know, I appreciate all the kind words and things like that. You know, we, it's, it's just a, you know, um, for me, it is true. I think the gay industry, especially well, the gay community, especially in Chicago are obsessed with images. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's all about looking the part, having the Gucci, Louis, the Irma. It's like, it, that's just kind of what you're the it person or the it girl. If this is what you look like, but there's always a story behind it. You know, I think people, you know, may see a, a particular image of me and just think it's just this. And I know the story behind it. Um, I've been through just as much or if not more than most of the gays that you will meet in Chicago. Everyone has a story for me. Um, it was all over the place as a child. You know, I am the youngest of three. Um, I'm nine, 12 years apart from my siblings. Uh, my family are good old Southern people, you know, um, grew up in Inglewood, 63rd and Bishop, right across the street where that, uh, the big, huge, uh, not, it, yeah, it's right away that big, huge police station is on the South side. Mm -hmm. There used to be a church, mm -hmm. a church and an outhouse. And it was just his own little hood community. Um, I've seen dead bodies as a kid. I've been in the middle of drive through drive bys and been covered by angels that I somehow wasn't shot, you know, um, 
you know, to not make a long drawn story, but I, you know, as a kid, for me, um, I just, I, I definitely was confused at a young age. I really didn't know. I, my parents are, they're great. You know, they did what they thought was best in terms of they, they were providers. They were there, you know, in terms of like, I always had fresh clothes. I always had a haircut. I was always walked to school, you know, um, but I was missing that, um, the intimate connection with my parents as a kid. Um, you know, that street talk, the street stories of how to survive. I was just kind of figuring my way out, you know, and I was honestly kind of just kind of led by my friends who were also from the streets, you know. Um, around that young age when I was, I want to say somewhere between five and eight, it's all blurry, um, you know, I was molested. Um, and it was not by one person, it was by multiple, whether it be people I thought were friends, um, you know, people, even my parents trusted, you know, that even they wouldn't really know to this day, honestly. Um, you know, I haven't talked about it with a lot of people, um, but even with that, like that, I think can throw anybody off, you know, um, a part of me, but I, it's hard with that story because I don't know that I turned out like gay because I was molested, you know, um, or was it just kind of something that was always in me? Um, and is that what I attracted, you know, and it, 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 it goes back to, I don't necessarily want to say I'm blaming myself for what happened, but it, those stories always kind of go through your head. But as a kid, like you have no idea what to do with any of this, you know, now you find yourself attracted to boys and girls, but you, you know, being raised by Southern parents, you know, this isn't it. This is the worst possible thing I could ever do is be gay. Like, I can't do this. This is never going to work for me. Um, that threw me into a whirlwind of, of just self-esteem issues. Um, I couldn't figure out how to get to know myself. Um, and I, it was, I struggled with that probably for the next, from then, 10, 15 years of my life. Sure. Just trying to figure out who that person is. So, yeah, you know, as a as a person that has also had the same experience with um, being molested, I, I, you know, once I was able to go to therapy and um, really like, and I verbalized that this happened, mm -hmm. um... I think that that's when like I started to process. So I said in my first episode that I believed that, um, and I always say, because, you know, people, the outside of our community that are looking in specifically yeah. people that want to say that, you know, um, pedophilia and, um, and all that molestation yes. and, um, uh, essay type stuff as specifically child essay type stuff comes just from people that are part of our community is yeah. not it's quite true. The opposite and it, it's so it's like total opposite actually it's so it, it is so opposite um and that so i'm always and i kind of like how you you put it like you know we don't know right so I like to make a point that it, for me, and this is me, and this isn't what I'm saying, but as right. far as for me, I say that we don't know, right? Because it happened and we can't go back and make it not happen and right. then relive life. Yeah. So we don't know. I like to find where I have found my peace in processing that portion of trauma of my life is just to say, I don't know, but God made me the way that he made me. Yeah. So I just rest assured in the fact that this is what it is because there are, I know gay people that weren't molested as a kid. Absolutely. Right. That, um, that didn't, and they are. So right. it has to make me believe that it, it's, it's just who we are. Right. Yeah. So I think when I heard that, um, it, a, not only drew me to you because it's like, okay, so there's a shared experience. I think for me, mine was one person mm. and to hear when, you know, we were in Detroit and, you know, having that really heart to heart at the, at the kitchen table at the Airbnb, that it was multiple people for you. And then to follow the self-esteem, you know, to follow it up with, you know, then it creating self-esteem issues. Mm -hmm. Not only was I molested in dealing with that and then also de dealing with the domestic violence mm -hmm. um, uh, aspect at home, but I was also the fact like my brothers and my sister mm -hmm. all were, you know, not like 
rail skinny, but they were right, skinnier right. and they were more fit. And I was fat. Like I, I was, so I uh, understood. So that was point two of like where yeah. it was like our bond moment. So, yeah. And then, so you start to notice the, the self-esteem issues. Um, do you feel like you became angry? Yes, absolutely. Um, it was, you know, imagine, you know, you're, you know, somewhere between eight, nine, 10, 11, you don't really know what self-esteem is. You just know you don't like yourself, you know, and I grew up dark, you know what I'm saying? I grew up dark. I was proper all the time. Cause my mom was like, you're going to know how to talk. And so growing up in Inglewood, you're already, you're considered, you know, you're, you white, you're trying to be white. Cause you know how to talk. And it's like, nah, I didn't know. That's how I felt. But I'm like, I just, just how I talk. I ain't trying to, you know, um, I, you know, was a dark boy. And even when people were like, you know, as kids, they'll tease with you just because they actually like you, Mm -hmm. you know, and I would find that out later in life, you know what I'm saying? But like, at that time, it wasn't a tease to me. It was like, I'm taking this shit personal, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm already looking in the mirror and I know how to look at myself and see, you know, something I like. Um, I became very angry. Um, I felt like no one saw me. My brother's we're kind of around, but they really weren't, you know, okay. they were busy dealing with their life and, and having a, you know, they moments, one being a hoe, the other one, a pastor, it's a whole situation. Right. Um, I feel like I had nobody, you know? Um, and it definitely in so many ways, I, ways that I've forgot. I, I remember punching out window door or door windows and running to the back and just screaming. Like I, we literally, I don't know what happened. It, me and my mom was, I can't remember exactly what the fight was about or what the argument was about, but I just remember there are, we had a kitchen with a door and the door had a glass in it. And I literally punched out the glass, ran to the back, ran to the, and then just downstairs and just screamed. I was so enraged. And it, it was this place of unbelonging, you know, I, where do I, where do I fit? You know, I don't really have any friends. It was just this whole, this whole thing. And I remember always being like in a, in the most, innocent way tight with God I got to remember that you know again I I grew up in church but like it was it felt personal it never felt like this is where I needed to be so in my head I'm always like I don't I hate it I hate this here I hate you I don't know what's going everything everything was just an embarrassment and so I I remember one day I was about maybe 12 or something and it was another big blow up for me um, I, I remember to this day, I might've taken nine or 10, 500 milligrams Tylenol, um, because I was just tired of feeling empty, unseen, um, unloved. Um, and that was for me, my moment to just kind of, you know, at 12, you know, um, I remember waking up. And feeling like stuck in this place. I couldn't move. I was just up. Um, and I can remember and, and unconsciously like calling, just calling God's name, calling for God. God help me, you know, you know, your child, you mess up, you want your parents to come save you. You know, that was my moment, like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, ooh. Um, and then I started moving, you know. Um, that was a really scary moment because I wasn't sure what was happening, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 okay. I'm like, okay, I need to be here, but that would have been 12. I probably didn't figure anything out really until 17, you know, and in between, I mean, I would, you know, when I started to give it to my gay, you know, I had, a, um, I remember I had like a Yahoo messenger, you know, that's what we met the boys at back in the day. That was you know back when dial up was a yeah, thing, <laughs> when dial up, you know, and, you, had, and you had all the chat rooms, you know, you had them on yeah. AOL, you had them on Yahoo. Um, MSN. And MSN and you would go in and do you remember like on, you know, cause at then nobody really had laptops. You had desktop, the, des- the, 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 des- com- the compact with Sario. Yes. Yes. Bury that at IBM. <laughs> And you would go in and you'd go like on Yahoo and then you could like pick out like on the, on the screen and then like, you'd have like the chat room thing. And then you could like go into all the like subtitles that had more subtitles. Or the main main chat room. Yes. Oh my God. And you had, you had best friends in these rooms. I don't know what it was, but it was like. But do you think, and it's funny that you bring that up because I talked about that on, I talked about how I um, would steal Playgirl magazines from the mall. And then I ran my parents' phone bill up. Um, to astronomical numbers, calling these 900 numbers, right? Yes. And um, that was obviously because at that time, we didn't, 
we had a computer, but I don't even believe that we had internet until my mom got married um, mm -hmm. to her second husband. And that's when I found like, uh, there's, uh, was it gay.com and, um, our planet something. There was oh. another one. Um, I don't remember, and but they were at some point PGC came into play and I can't remember exactly when it was newer. I was a little bit old enough to appreciate PGC by the time it happened, but, uh, we didn't have internet. I, we had, you know, we had the house phone. You make a, I was always, I was a kid, like kind of a dork as a kid. I was always into computers, mm -hmm. you know, computer machining. So I'm like, there's some kind of low kid nerd today, but like, you know, I figured out how to plug shit into that, you know, the thing and you go about, they had a million of those little free cans of AOL disc, mm -hmm. you know, saying for 14 days, you mm -hmm. use that. I, I had about 18 of those cans laying around, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, Yahoo messenger, you got the, and I think at some point we graduated to profiles and, you know, with pictures and shit and MySpace, was, MySpace. Yes. MySpace. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, I was like, I don't, you know, no one who wouldn't see me. Like, I can't, like, if I do this, I'm gonna lose all the attention I'm getting. Like, I can't lose all, you know, cause my personality was shining, but no one could see me who I was physically. Um, and so I remember like stealing pictures. I remember like I would be someone else and, um, you know, met this guy, and I'm at this point I must have been fourteen or fifteen. You know, at this point I'm hormonal and shit, and um, like we were vibing. You know, it was a good. You know, we talk over the phone. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. It's all a situation. And um, at some point, you know, of course he's like, I want to, and you know how people would get on the webcam, and you didn't have to. Like it was a thing because everyone didn't have a webcam, so uh -huh. they were always cool. He would get on the webcam, fine. You know. Um, and then I guess it just kind of got, I started to get deeper and he was like, you know, I want to see you. And, and it was not exactly where we are today where it's like, bitch, you talk about you, you ain't got no camera you can get, go to hell, you know, at this point, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? You can get your kid's toy and there's a camera there. Um, but it was still soon enough to say there's some, like you, you can take a picture somehow and send it to me, scan it, whatever. And so eventually I started to feel, um, it didn't pressure me. It didn't take much pressure before I felt bad. You know, I always had a conscience. And um, I just told him, like, you know, um, I not who you've been talking to. Like, I just told him, like, what the fuck, you know. The new, uh, it was the beginning of catfishing. The, you started the beginning of catfishing. I know, I know. I want 10% bitch. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, it was very much, I just told him the truth. Um, and of course, I mean, I, he was, he was kind of taken aback and a little like irritated and upset about it or whatever, because we took that shit serious back in the day, you know? And, um, and he was like, well, can I at least, you know, see what you look like? And I'm like, yeah, I got a webcam, <laughs> you know, so I've been for at least two months. Um, I just felt like I owed him the truth, whatever was going to come back from it. And so we ended up getting on the cam and, you know, I turned it on, turned on a little lamp so he could see me. Um, and he sat there for a minute and he was just like, you know, why are you even doing this? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, don't you see me? Like, you know, at this point, this is someone who's never built love into themselves. I've never once in my life told myself you're a handsome kid ever, you know? So I'm looking like, why, what do you mean? Why would you want to see me? Like, I don't understand. And he was like, you don't need to do this. Like you're cute enough to woo woo. And I think that was like the first time someone has ever told the real me myself that I was cute. Um, and I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, do I run with this? And do I, you know, do I like now go as me? Like, does that change the game somehow? And, and, you know, we talked for a little while, but it, the, it wasn't going to work out anyway. Right. It was long distance. I was a kid, whatever. And um, I just, I, from that year going forward, I was just trying to figure out, who I was, but now I'm trying to figure out my, my way in the gay world, which goes back to your story of going back to where it's safe. You know what I'm saying? I started realizing I could have people, there were people like me, you know, who I could blend with, who I can, I guess, be gay with. You know, you got the Jackson Park, you know, I'm in these streets at this point, right? Um, but I never, still never really felt like this is where I belong, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like, you know, um, I'm here because I was supposed to be. I never was interested, and this is not like nothing against like the the ball scene. You know, what I'm saying I love the ball scene, but I just know I didn't run. I didn't want to vogue. I didn't want to. It was entertaining to watch. Like it's until this day, I live for drag, the, ball. the drag queen, the ball scenes. Like I love that stuff. I just never wanted to do it, you know. And so around those times, at our age, um, you know, and to your point and your story, you 
choose these families because this is where mm -hmm. your true peace and your comfort is. And I found, I found peace there and I found good friends there. I just didn't want to be a part of it, you know? Um, so I would back up from that. And then you choose the other side of the game, which is where, you know, the alcohol, the drugs, the sex and the boys are, you know? Um, I just went through these different phases of, of gay, but it was all in the streets. It was all in the hood. Um, and I had fast forward, um, I think I was at the peak of it. I was sneaking away, getting caught with boys. Um, at this point, my mom had found out, you know. Actually, and how no. old are you at Actually, this time? Actually, no. I was 17. Okay. And I had a um, a sex scare. So she had gotten called by the public, um, what did they call it then? The uh, the, pub, uh, the, health, uh, the health department. Basically. And so she, Oh, so you went to get tested. Right. But she got the call. <laughs> <laughs> because we didn't have cell phones, so they had to call the house phone. <laughs> they call the house phone. So you got told on. It's right, basically. Well, they were like, we just think you need to come in for woo-woo. And so she's not quite sure. Um, but based on what it was that um, she wanted to get text for, tested for, I think it was HIV, I believe, at the time. And at that time, it was like, it was what still, the fuck? Yeah. You know? Um, and so she was like, she she was speechless. And before we even got to the clinic, she's just like, oh, my God, you know, I failed you and all of I mean, it was just like you'd have thought you'd have thought I shot someone in the head, robbed them, went to their mom house, raped their mom and killed their family the way she just felt like. You know? So, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I want to I'm going to touch on that. But I want to go back to something that you said, um, because I, I think that it's important um, for folks to 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 hear and to acknowledge because i think that um it, it plays into the self-esteem right yeah you said you know um about being black and i think even even in hearing it now like i knew what it was because we've obviously had this conversation right mm -hmm. um or dark that's what you said dark not black um dark and i think that you know that's a that's a thing like that yes. that's a um and see for me Okay, and this is in no way. So, like, as someone that is attracted to African-American men, right? right. Um, I like them to come in all shades, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I w it was so new for me to hear mm -hmm. that that was, like, a, a thing for you when we, when we first talked about it, right? Because yeah. here, I, obviously, clearly, I'm, I'm not black, so I don't know what that, that looks like. I don't know how the different, you know, like, shades can affect yeah. certain people yeah and i was like wow so what you know like your experience like mm -hmm. for the bad to the into like the the comfort of it because now i know that you're you know like yeah you're a comfortable <laughs> I've person done, i've done the work mm -hmm. um it was just that there is this interracial uh, that's the right word but it's like colorism you know, internal colorism. Yeah. And, and, and internal colorism within the black community, whether you're straight, gay, whatever. Right. Um, it's like, we're already an oppressed community that oppress, oppress and oppress. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, 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 you know, in the beginning stages, it's like, Oh, you cute to be dark skin. What, what does that mean? You know, I thought someone was just cute or, you know, I just, it, or this phase of, you know, I was like, I'm like, I was like, I'm like, I was like, I'm like, that was what a lot of uh, my childhood was, or just, and if it, it even, even if it wasn't so much as that, you were always talked about because you dark, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You don't ever hear you light skin as hell is you don't ever hear your light ass. It's always your black ass, right? Mm -hmm. That's always the, the, the cuss out. And it's like, what people don't understand is that, that for darker, actual uh, dark black people, that is, it becomes a negative connotation in our head sometimes. And it's not, it's always received beneath a lighter skinned individual. And I don't think it's always personal. I don't think people try to do it. I mean, some just like what they like. I don't, I've never had a problem with people liking what they like. Um, but at some point in my younger years, and especially dealing with the self-esteem issues, like you just felt overlooked on top of uh, over when it comes to lighter skinned individuals. Um, and so for me, it was, it was, I ended up taking therapy at some point. Right. Um, and I would talk about all of this. I would talk about the self-esteem issues and I had to do the work to do the whole self-love, you know, the whole, 
the whole looking in the mirror, the whole um, telling yourself you're this, telling yourself you're that. I started a journey um, similar to you or at some point where you just started loving on yourself. Mm-hmm. I started loving telling myself, you know, I was watching fashion shit. And so I was just kind of just pouring to myself into some point where I started believe, to believe that I was actually attractive. You know, um, I pushed forward. Um, and I became like this advocate for dark skin people. Everyone that knows you, that knows me, you know, I would say that's some light skin shit. That's why I fuck with light skin people. You know, I would just say, you know, it'd be funny, but I'm, <laughs> I'm such an advocate for dark skin people. And anytime I see a, a beautiful dark skin woman, I compliment her. Like it takes a lot. It doesn't take a lot to look good as a dark skin person, but it takes a, a lot to shine because at the end of the day, the world, whether it's you're a white person a Mexican person or a black person will still make you feel less than because that of what society has told them is beautiful. Yeah. And you know, um, I think there's a couple different levels to that. I think that it has to do with, um, how, what racism looks like. Right. Yeah. And how you said about being oppressed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we come back, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I definitely want to touch uh, more on that. Right. I also want to touch on um, what it looks like when we tell our parents, because everybody has a different yeah. parent parental reaction to it. Oh yeah. And then um, we'll get into like more of like the therapy and stuff. Um, but we're going to take a quick short break and we'll be back with our uh, weekly um, small business shout out. And then, um, yeah, we'll carry on Nice back. And this is the portion of each episode that I've been doing um, where I want to highlight a small business owner in our community. Um, and this is somebody that I know well. So, you know, I think uh, we were talking beforehand uh, before we started recording. And I said, you know, how the first episode and then like recording the last, you know, last week and then recording this week and things have gotten so much better. And you're like, yeah, first, first, everything's always a little rough. So Corey um, was my first shout out. And because of how we recorded it, um, the portion of the shout out of the first episode kind of got um, Drown a clipped and, and, you know, there was some some difficulties with it just by how we recorded it. So array, I, will, I guess, is the best word for it. Um, so I wanted to revisit that because I really love Corey. Um, Corey shares my stuff. Um, I make sure to share Corey stuff. It's true support. And the whole purpose of the shout out portion of each episode is about giving these small businesses um, just an added platform for free to share their brand. And, you know, hopefully my viewers and listeners will at least go check it out. You never know. Um, Corey is the uh, CEO and owner of Millennial Riches Denim, also Colors by Marley. Um, And he creates custom denim outfits um for everyone male and female he's done a bunch of skirts actually when we went to um detroit mm-hmm. i had some shorts um that he created for me oh, dope. and it, it's super cool like he dyes it he also can customize uh shoes and boots and um is such a great designer and so so creative wow. so i shout that out again that's millennial riches denim and color by colors by Marley, and you can follow him on Instagram at millennial dot colors. So it's going to be M I L L E N N I A L period. Colors is going to be C L O U R Z. And then also jump over and follow his personal page um, as he keeps a lot of his. Um, creations and um, stuff on his personal page as well. And you can follow Corey at Marley365 underscore. Corey, I love you so big. I hope that, you know, you continue to blossom and that your your business continues to blow up. Thank you for your support. Everybody, please go um, like and follow his stuff. And you never know. I'm talking about he can make you an outfit for any type of event, whether you're ready to be on... A hot girl summer you're ready to do hood rat stuff with your you know with your with your girls and um or you know you're ready to go out on the town and look fly and you know go to a, a high-end function Corey can get you what you need he's so creative and he listens to your vision and he makes it all come true so go follow Corey and millennial riches denim and colors by marley 
So before we went to break, we were kind of talking about, uh, we had touched on, and it was something that had stuck out not only tonight, but when I had first heard your story Mm -hmm. um, in Detroit um, about, you know, being dark skin. Yes. And, you know, you had said that even inside the black community, whether it's gay, straight, whatever, just in the, as a whole in the black community, that there are, you know, internal oppressions because you know you are dark or you know you're light and for me this is just my opinion and and my take on it is do you believe that some of that comes from you know going all the way back in like the racism right Mm -hmm. and where you know maybe people picked up on that like oh because i'm light-skinned i'm closer to being white yeah and so that it makes me better than a darker or dark-skinned person um and that some of that has a a take on it well it has a take on it for sure um it definitely goes back to where all the kind of original oppression started right um when the country was ready to be diverse it wasn't with some of my color it would be someone closer to your color Mm -hmm. um, or closer to the color of this table. You know, it was all about, we want it. We want to be diverse as possible without necessarily being too diverse. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't want to go from this table to, you know, the curtain um, because that, that would spoil the brand or what the look. So any, the, the first level of most successful black people kind of somewhere in the late eighties, early nineties, were always lighter individuals. You know, some of the first were always lighter complected, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, so that's where kind of that, I wouldn't say that's where it started, but that's definitely a big part of the modern day. I think people are in, in automatically or unconsciously in their mind, just view a lighter skin individual as a more beautiful, more uh, marketable, more sexy individual. Not saying that's just kind of how it is overall, but there's trinkles there, and and you can only understand it when you're a dark skinned individual and you have to grow up in it. I think the next generation is different. I think after me, you know, uh, the next generation following me, I think it's a different situation. I think they did with trickles of it, but I think in our time, you know, it it was a light skinned time in terms of what people thought was the most attractive guy, a light skinned guy with long hair. Oh my God. You know, the, the, the whole dark Nubian thing was there, but it didn't get the light that it, that it deserved until I think a few years later, like in the late 2000s. And, you know, now, you know, as being somebody that's always, you know, dated with inside um, the black community, um, it, it, it's so funny because, you, you know, you talk about the shift of it, right? And like it was like then people wanted to, you know, if you were closer to light, then it was, you know, or the lighter you were, the better off you were. Yeah. And I think now because it's funny, you hear people say, you know, oh, he's light skinned, he's crazy, you know? So it's almost like in some instances that it's, yeah. it's flipped. <laughs> so I, be, you know, I believe that at all. And it comes from, I believe that like the, a way to continue to oppress black and brown people. Yeah. And you're hundred percent right. We want to, we want to publicly say like, this is what we're doing. This is the, you know, this is the movement. This is where we're going with right. it, but what is it going, you know, how are we going to do it to where we're not going too far? Right. Exactly. And we're not, we're not, mm, we're not fully going to give the green light, but so then it, and then here you are a eight to 17 year old, um, dealing with multiple types of traumas and then to have what you would say be your own community at that point, which would be the black community have shots sent at you because you're darker skin. Um, I'm going to tell you, I'm a fan of a, uh, I'm a fan of a darker skinned uh, person because they are a little less crazy. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But no, it's, it's, it's true. You know, like, um, I love black culture, you know, I love, um, I love black men and women in the sense of that they are all beautiful, right? And they all are beautiful in their own way. And so I'm glad that you were able to process that and see that as, you know, like, oh, 
this, you know. Yeah, and, and I, I realized early on that, like, okay, you got to do the work yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to have to figure this out and um, come to a place where you love yourself, mm -hmm. you know. And so it really came down to a point where I ended up just figuring it out and sewing it to my own. Mm -hmm. And fast forward, and we'll get to that, it's in therapy, mm -hmm. you know, I would be out and I would feel like no one sees me. And my therapist was like, does it matter? Do you see you? And I was like, I guess, but you know, and and she was like, stop thinking about it. Go out, have a good time, and you know, dance around in a circle yourself, you know, like very Britney style about the situation. Um, and I started doing that. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the moment I stopped caring was the moment I noticed that pretty much everyone noticed me. And I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm like now exposed naked in a room. And you know, it, it's, a, it's a process getting from a place of zero to no self-esteem to bliss and love, you know, because even when you start to see it, now you're questioning it. Do I believe it? You know? Um, and, you know, fast forward to now, I mean, I've done the work, you know, at the end of the day, you can't tell me shit at the end of the day. I, I don't care, you know? Um, but you do the work, you, you, you sew in, you tell yourself you're good enough, you'll start to believe it. You put in the work for anything you want and you'll, you'll get it, you know what I'm saying? But it starts on the inside. And when I see a, a, a black queen or king that's that shiny, not because they look good, but you just see that light. I know if if it wasn't the foundation that they have, they did the work to shine the way that they did because it's not celebrated the way that it should be. That's why Beyonce had to make a song called Dark Skin or Brown Skin Girls because it's just not celebrated for the beauty that it is, you know. Um, but it, it's definitely there. It, this world today is different though. I mean, I think it's flipped a little bit where the dark skin individuals are getting the light that they should get I, we're still so far behind you know and that's a whole nother conversation and i think that's all i think that's on all aspects yes. of just being a black or brown person the music there industry is the music industry all of that um but i do want to go back to um where we where you had got to your mother's response oh, we're going yeah. to the clinic and yes. so now it's because i think it's important um you know and you kind of have a twofold right so you said you know southern and you know the church church church, church type family yes. and you know i think for what i don't know so i come from a uh, a mother and a father even through all of me and my father's mess to where when I finally told them, it was like, okay, but that is not the experience. And now that I work, I have worked in social, uh, you know, in community-based work inside the gay community, I realized that with inside the black community that when, you know, coming out to parents and grandparents mm -hmm. can be a very, not only complex deal, but sometimes can be um aggressive and and all of the above mm -hmm. aggressive life-threatening life-changing life-altering um all of that so what was that what was that like so you know here you are you're on your way to this clinic and she's finding out like and she's saying that she failed you and yes. what's that so what's um, it go from how's it go from there so we get to the clinic and you know we do the test test comes back negative thank god um yo these and so but at that point, it was it was clear because I hadn't denied it, that it was with a man, um, and so as we are, you know, at that time rejoicing, right? You catch HIV today. I mean, it's at this point, it's like living with. There's worse things to live with in today's world than HIV. We want to prevent it, but back then, you know, twenty twenty two years ago, you know, people still looked at it as a death sentence, um, and so. Uh, Negative. Okay, great. You think that would mean, you know, we're good, we're in the clear. She was so stuck on the fact that she figured out that I was gay. Um, and she still had this she and into my adulthood we talked about this feeling of guilt that she had. Um, and I couldn't understand why she why does she feel guilty about being gay? Like what's you know, which takes me back to, you know, excuse me, which takes me back to like, what am I doing wrong? Why can't you just accept me, right? Um, my dad, on the other hand, I don't know. She told him. I don't. It just kind of got to back to him. And you'd have thought I raped someone. You know, he was like, I can't believe this. You know, my son finna be a sissy and woo woo woo. And and I'm like, at that point in my life, I was angry enough 
had fought enough, had been in the streets enough to not give a fuck about what he was talking about. So at this point, I'm fighting back. I'm like very much so, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? If you want to put me out, put me out. I don't give a damn. Like I was, that anger was still there. So I was very, he was coming with this and I was coming with this. And it was just this every day. Cause I'm just like, at the end of the day, I'm still your child. You should love me. I don't care. It's, it was an ongoing battle for weeks in my household because of that. And I wasn't gonna be anybody other than who I wanted to be. And that's where I felt safe. That was the, gay was the only thing I felt safe in, you know, um, I had experience from like youth programs that would happen and travel. I, I, I found life actually in, in the LGBTQ community than I ever could being or faking that I was straight, you know? Um, and so fast forward, my mom eventually uh, came around, you know, I think for them, they, and, and this is, I, no, it, it's hard to say because it, it, we're still dealing with this today. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think in their mind immediately, you know, I was going to become Patricia and I was going to walk in the house with a bob on and some white heels and a, and a you know, a, a maxi dress. And, <laughs> and I think, you know, I just, you know, so they didn't, they didn't think about, um, they didn't look at it from maybe he just likes guys, right? And that's his own whatever. But immediately I was a drag queen. But I think that also goes into, that goes into um, like, outside of people outside of our community right they yeah. believe that every time you you know somebody says that they're gay that automatically they have to be the oh you know oh girl and doing all the yeah, all the extras when there are i have friends i know of people i'm sure that you do yeah. that you would unless they told you yeah. or you had some type of dealings or relations with them yeah. you would never I mean, it wouldn't, no. And then you'd probably still have to see it in person to be like, you <laughs> yeah. know, you'd have to see them kiss them. Send like, me a video. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, what the idea of what they think gay looks like is a caricature. You know what I'm saying? It's really not. Even the, the, the people on TV that's the ultimate gay, right, for the TV, it's probably chill, low-key in the background. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's always the, the worst possible thing. And my parents are very vanilla. So it's definitely the worst possible thing. So my mom, when she realized, you know, in a couple of weeks, you know, she didn't start seeing heels or any of that nature. Um, she started to try to understand, right? Talk through this. And so it actually made us closer. It, it brought us closer. And eventually my dad, we just talked and, you know, he made a decision to accept me or whatever, accept that I'm, I want to have sex with guys. Um, and it, it was, you know, it, it kind of struggled for a little bit, but as he got to see that I'm, I'm very much so still a man, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I'm, we're still changing radiators out of cars and all of that. And he, he did, he noticed it. It didn't change who I was to him. I was just, I just like guys. He flipped, and you know, and at this point, you know, he's meeting boyfriends, and you know, and and he loves Chris like it's his son today, and he, it, it brought us closer. And I'm like, if my dad can change, he was one of the most narrow, I'm, I'm skipped a lot of stuff, right? But one of the most narrow-minded, Southern, didn't get a lot, from his, a lot of love from his father, individual, mm -hmm. anybody can change. But I think it's about, it just starting with the exception. You know what I'm saying? My parents are who they are today because of their gay son. You know, they have their own homes, their new car, all the stuff that they got is because of the child they decided to accept for who he was, mm -hmm. as opposed to shining me away. You know. Yeah. And I think that um, it's important to say that, you know, and sadly, uh, as we've, you know, as we are the age that we are in this community, that um, we've seen other people whose stories aren't anything like that. There are yeah. people that have been put out of their house yeah. and haven't spoke to their parents since they came out, yeah, yeah. Um, been disowned. There have been um, situations of abuse and, you know, it kind of plays into the episode that we recorded last week where it was like, you know, accepting everybody and understanding that people's experiences are so, so different. Um, you never know, you know, and who's to say what life would be like for you today and how different it would have been had they not came around. Right. Yeah. And I think that inside, um, you know, other cultures, like I came from a, a very accepting family. Right. Yeah. And my parents, and my family accepted me and it was just kind of like one of those shoulder shrugs. But so many times 
so many more times, yeah. it is not the case, right? Yeah. And so it's important to share that. And I'm glad that um, they did come around because- well, sorry to cut you off. Mm -hmm. it, I did, it, it, my best friend's family is what saved me. Okay. Um, and, and that for me, the whatever love I wasn't getting through the period of trying to get my parents to accept me, my best friend who her mom's like my mom, that that family was still putting their arms around me saying, I love you. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to chosen family, right? I, I already had a family in my mind that accepted me. So if my main family wasn't going to, I was okay. Fortunately, they came around. For know, sure. You know, but yeah, it chose a family, whether it's blood or not, people who accept you who you are, it's 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 a bond that could never be broken. Absolutely. So mom's accepted you. Um, and now let's um, you know, go into um, you know, at this point you're set what, seventeen? Seventeen, eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. So what's that, you know, what does um what does it look like now uh, that you're, you know, 17, 18, and so what, you're out of high school by this, or you're going yeah, to be out of I'm high in, school? Yeah, on the way to college. On the way to college, and, um, you know, you're still processing a lot of this, right? Yes, I still got hella issues. Um, still crazy, but I'm feeling myself a little bit. You know, 18, uh, I was working, I always kept a job. I, you know, it was weird. It was kind of in me, right? That's something my dad had guaranteed me. Um, but I was... Now I'm ready to get out here and, and get into these boys. I was ready to explore and, you know, and it's like um, running to a wall to paint it, but realize you know how to paint to paint the wall. For me, it was like coming out and jumping into this world of gay and boys. I had no idea what this was supposed to look like. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, how I was supposed to dress, what I was supposed to look like, what character am I supposed to have? Do I need to talk like this? Do I need to talk like this? I didn't know. I, at this point, I'm just discovering what confidence I do have. So I'm super nervous. I'm not approaching people. So now I'm back in a bubble because I'm now somewhere I don't understand. You know, um, I knew I wasn't going to be the one who came out there and just had sex with everybody. Although I lived, let me be very clear. Getting <laughs> a boy was never a problem, but I knew I, I knew it was a, it was a limit for me. You know what I'm saying? And so I just had to, I just lived through it. I had my best friends and as I got older, I started doing, I started therapy. Probably my first therapy was 2021 because I was still angry. And I realized, okay, this is a problem. Like you shouldn't always be ready to punch a bitch in the face. Like you've got to calm down, you know? Um, and I think that's a good point to kind of hone, hone in on, on what childhood trauma looks like yeah. um, and how, as we get older, that, you know, some people like me, I turned to, to doing the substances, right? Yeah. But another uh, common thing is anger, is was, the lashing out. I was violent. <laughs> like, and so when you say violent, like, were you violent in that you would argue or were you like knocking bitches out? It was whatever. Oh, so it, you were, you was down with any kind of smoke. Yeah. So like, if you wanted to smoke, I wasn't like looking to give it to you, Okay. you know, but you know, people try you. And they would learn real quick, like, I'm I'm the wrong one to try, right? And it's so crazy to me because <laughs> I still have a quick fuse, and you are the one that's like, you know, when we're together, you're like, oh, you're like, no, we're not, you know. Because I know that if I get there, like, I have to tell myself either exit or just, you know, calm down, whatever, whatever. Because if I get from here to here, to stop me, it's going to be a whole, it's going to be monstrous. So I've learned to just if I'm feel if I feel myself slipping, run, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I was. I mean, if I would I would check a person, you know. Mm -hmm. If you run up, if you get in my personal space, I'm swinging, you know. Um, I, and it just came out, you know, what I'm saying. And I wasn't like problematic violence. It was just more like, I, you know, it was what it was what it was, you know. What I'm and saying? so you're 21. Do you think? Um drinking played into a shorter or or did you give more grace like because you're 21 you're at yeah. college like now you're yeah. and in our eyes when we're 21 we're we're grown we grown like we know we, we got all the okay. answers and you're gonna pay all my bills but i'm grown right <laughs> um <laughs> so i i wouldn't say alcohol was a problem for okay me. um you know it was really what was deep down inside you know when people when people when these these kids, these girls, these 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 gays today, they are mean to other people because of what they feel deep down inside. 
um, I was quick to judge people. I was quick to, oh, this bitch is that and that because I didn't feel it inside. Mm -hmm. You know, because of how I feel about myself inside, my first thing is to uplift someone. You know what I'm saying? To make them feel confident. You look great. You're this, you're that. Because you never know how much someone just needs to hear that. And you real life do that. Um, I, yeah. you do, and you've done yeah. it to me. Uh, so you real life do that. Um, do, do you, okay. So 21 and your first therapy session, yes. is this where you start to really learn that you have to start working through things? Yeah, well, I knew that at 17, I did have an anger management session at 17, but, um, it, it, it was like one or two sessions. I just don't even count it, but I did. Yes. Because the therapist that I had was, they were, they were good at like, somehow forcing me in the deep, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it was very much so, I'm coming in there like, let's just see what this shit got to offer. And you know how they'll ask that one question, like, how did you feel about that as a seven-year-old? And then you'd be thinking, and next thing you know, you're bawling. Like, it's a whole, it's just waterfalls everywhere. And it's like, why am I crying? What's happening? Um, and I realized that I blamed my parents for a lot of stuff. Um, I didn't, everybody was a problem but me. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't decide to do whatever, right? I didn't have the support. I was this, I was that. So I realized that I had to forgive my parents for not giving me what they never had. Um, but I couldn't also go through life being an angry person because of what I felt like my life should have been, what I felt like I should have had in life, the parents or the success. So it therapy help me walk through those steps uh-huh. and start thinking now in my anger. When I'm angry, take a deep breath. I still do that today. I take, take a deep breath. I'm I'm now trying to understand where it's coming from. Did this bitch just try me or am I just angry? You know, it's a difference. You got to respond accordingly. But from then on, it was a journey. I think up until almost my 30s, within my relationship with Chris, I had moments where I had to restart my therapy and, and there was still something that I hadn't worked on about where I should be in life, how I feel about myself. And you realize you're enough. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter what the fuck you look like, what color you are, what background you come from. I am where I am today because of the decisions that I made. I knew I saw further. I wanted to do more. The odds were always stacked against me, you know, um, but I didn't mind starting from the bottom when I was making $10 an hour, working 20 hours a week, barely could afford a cheeseburger. I did it because I had to do it. You know, um, and therapy works. Therapy works. Therapy works until this day. I still do therapy, you know, when I need to. Therapy truly does work. People don't feel like they need it, and you might not, but it don't hurt to see, you know. So I think for that, I encourage it because it, I, I've been in and out all my life, and I've been in the most consistent in my adult life because you take it when you're happy, not you're, you're supposed to take it when you are in a good place and when you might feel like you're slipping, and it does truly work. Like, do you, uh, what's your take on uh, stigma around mental health and therapy in the black community? Just to, just like a quick, like what yeah. you, uh, as, and not just a gay community, but yeah. just a black community in general. Pray it out. <laughs> you know, you just, you know, you good. You need some Jesus. You just need God. You know what I'm saying? I'm going a, I'm to a light some sage and holy oil. All that's great, right? But some things are just medical. Some things are just physical. Um, in the black gay community, it or not black the black the black community, it's never been it's criminal. You know what I'm saying? If you're acting out in the street, I'm just gonna arrest you and throw you in jail and give you a bunch of drugs. Not let let me sit you in front of a doctor first to see if it's a mental situation, you know. We've never been educated as a community to know about mental health. To it's always been shunned against. You know, you're retarded if you need to talk to a counselor, or you crazy and you about to kill somebody because you got to see a therapist. And it's like, no, that's what we've been told. And if we go to church and we just pray it out, you're gonna be okay. The next week he shoots somebody because you he's bipolar or schizophrenic and you just ignoring it like it's not a problem. It is not about being crazy and ain't about about to kill nobody. Even if you just having a bad week and need to talk to somebody about it, therapy is good for that. For processing stuff. For pro- walking through it, right? And it's not also just the bad stuff. Like I process with my therapist the good stuff. And yes. I've said that on the, all the episodes, like through this process yes. of starting this podcast, like sharing the good things as well. And, you know, um, so that was one of the points, um, you know, to hear and to see, and again, you know, I'm sure when you sat down in that chair and the camera went on and the microphones went on and the first person clicks in, they're going to think, oh, you know, who's this fine 
dark skin <laughs> black man that you know Roy's got on next fix. You know what I'm saying? And it's but then they hear the story, right? Yeah. And it it makes you it, it makes your that so much better, right? Wow. And it, it shines the light even closer and more glamorous because it's like oh bitch you pull you pulled through it you know yeah. and i wanted you to be here because there are so many people that are in you know that look like you right um that um are part of our community who didn't have necessarily the same outcomes yeah. that you've had but doesn't mean that they can't achieve similar or the same outcomes, right? Yes. Because you're successful. Um, I'm not gonna name where you work, but you work in the finance industry um, and you have a career, right? Yeah. You make a salary and you have a lot of things that, you know, a lot of people in our community, even myself, that is good. don't have. But, it, you know, there was there's a story behind yeah. it. And all of that doubt and all of that stuff that you had going on at that eight-year-old self on up is what built you to where we are today. And I thank you so much for um, coming on. I love you uh, so much. I love Chris, too. Um, we will have Chris and Pat on later in the season because we are going to talk about dating in our community in the era of apps and hookup culture and the poly scene and the open relationship scene and all of that i can't wait for that episode that's going to be later in um the season but we have come to that time it is the end of this episode again patrick i thank you so much for coming thank for um i thank you for sharing your story i know getting on here um it is never easy. I was the first person to do it. Um, but I wanted this platform to be for others to tell. I can't tell what it's like, A, growing up black, black and gay, black and experiencing um, being molested. Um, I can't say that even though we both went to therapy, we have similar but experience of what it's like to unbury that stuff yeah. as a black gay male. Like, and I needed that and the viewers needed that. And to those of you out there that um, have shared experience, understand that there is a way out. Um, this uh, tomorrow, oh no, I'm sorry, not tomorrow. I said tomorrow, uh, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Um, we will be releasing episode two. And that was with me and Chrissy Balenciaga. Um, and that is hard conversations and stigma. Mm. And we go over some really great things. So make sure that you nice. tune in at 8 p.m. Uh, that'll be on our YouTube channel, which is at NextFix12, as well as all streaming podcasts. And I say all, but now I actually have a list that we're approved. So we are going to be on Pandora, Stitcher, um, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon is where you can find uh, NextFix podcast. Just type in NextFix podcast and you will we it'll pop up make sure that you hit that follow button um please share Subscribe. all of our content as my goal and mission with next fix is to reach anyone that needs it you may not have um childhood trauma like patra shared here today but someone on your timeline may someone that you that follows you may and that's the important thing it's just a click of a button this isn't about me going viral or anything like that it's about sharing a message sharing a platform to um help anyone that in that moment needs to hear whatever it is we're talking about as well as if you're out there today and you need resources you need help um navigating getting into therapy getting into substance use treatment um getting to anything like that medication maintenance free hiv uh testing no matter what state city um you are in please reach out you can reach us at nf podcast 11 at gmail.com again that is nf podcast 11 at gmail.com i made a promise when i very first start this that i will go above and beyond to not only click into my resources here in chicago but all connections that i have i know a lot of people and i will find uh, resources as close to you as possible again i love everybody i appreciate everybody patris thank you again so much you and we will see you again next week Bye, everybody.